Fedheads, welcome back to another episode of Cigar Chat. Uh, we're live on Facebook, broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, um, and of course available the following week on uh, the old YouTubes and whatever your favorite podcast catcher is. Um, I'm your host, Trip, here with my co-host, Jason. Jason, how are you doing this evening? Doing good. Trying to stay warm over here. Yeah, it's a chilly one out here. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the temperature is. Let's see. I mean, I mean it's, it's in the 40s, so it's not too bad. Google says 46. Yeah, um, seems about right. So, I mean, that that's cold for us, us Northwesterners. Uh, like, I mean, I think that's probably about as cold as it gets in the spring. So it feels cold, even though for normal people, it's not that cold. Uh, and we're here with our special guest of the evening, uh, owner of La Barba Cigars, Tony Bellotto. Tony, how you doing, brother? Good. What's happening, guys? Um, as, as many of our listeners know, if they've been listening uh in sequential order i'm just getting back into the swing of things um had a trip to the dr um and all that relaxation kind of throws my game off a little bit i feel like i'm used to being like stressed out and having to keep up on doing these shows every week i Um, notice the older i get the more those time zone changes hit me too when i come back home oh man I, i i didn't talk about this on the show last night so uh monday night we decided that uh that we were going to go see black Panther. And the only time that we could make work with babysitting and stuff was 1030. And I was like, Oh, I can do that. No problem. I go see movies at 1030 all the time. Um, and I, for the first time in my life fell asleep at a movie theater. Um, and like, I was in that whole, like that mode where you're fighting to keep your eyes open and it's just not working, man. I, I had a rough night that night. Um, but we're not here to talk about black Panther. We're here to talk about La Barba cigars. Um, so Tony, for the people who, for the uninitiated, tell us where Lombarba came from, um, and about your, uh, you kind of grew up in the cigar industry a little bit. Um, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my, uh, my grandfather started in about 1972, um, with a little book and newsstand. And then my dad started working there in about 75 ish. So right around the first, when the first trade shows started, started happening, um, and they fell in love with cigars and started put they put uh, cigar stores in all their locations. So then I went to fast forward to me. I went to was in college and I already knew a lot about cigars growing up and stickering uh, Fuente boxes for my allowance money. <laughs> um, well, child labor. Yep. And uh, so I was already in love with cigars and I had all my friends over every Sunday night uh, in college for like a little uh, Sunday family dinner thing and. Uh, that's when I kind of fell, refell in love with wine. Um, so I would pick up wine. I would make Sunday gravy and uh, or sauce, and we would have wine and cigars and play poker and all that. So then I left college and started working at my dad's store and decided to go to school for wine. So I went to school, Cleveland Wine School, and became a uh, WSET certified sommelier. Mm-hmm. And I added wine to the program, spirits, craft beer to my dad's store. Um, and then in 2012, um, I decided to have a go at blending cigars, taking the, the palate of a sommelier and adding it to tobacco because it's not something that's been done a lot. So I wanted to see what would come out of it. Um, so I started going to Miami and meeting with Robert Caldwell. Um, him and I became very good friends. He essentially, I was, I was making cigars with him in, in Miami and then he essentially, uh, introduced me to the Ventura family which I fell in love with because their uh, family-owned business are very small. And mm-hmm. it gave it, um, it kind of gave us the opportunity to grow together, um, which, I liked, which I really liked. Um, instead of going into a giant factory, um, I could kind of have that craft touch to it. Like I was telling you yeah. earlier about the, uh, you know, we're experimenting with some fermentation now that um, wasn't usually done or was done a little bit differently. And we're, we have the ability to do cool stuff because we're small. Yeah. So that's kind of my story. That's where that's where the, the whole thing came from. And then I, I didn't even really um, I didn't start, you know, I didn't start wanting I didn't start this wanting a cigar brand. I just wanted to see what would happen. And then uh, I started sending cigars out to friends and they were telling me the cigar's good. The cigar's good. Um, sending them out to people in the cigar community. Um, and then it kind of it kind of grew from there. So 
we had the cigar first and then the name came later, which was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a rare thing in the cigar industry for, for a new company to not really have a name, but they have a cigar. Because usually they come up and they're like, this would be a great name for a cigar. Let's go make a cigar that fits with that um, and then start, you know, branding it that way. Yeah, I always say it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a band. You know, we had the we had all the parts, but we we didn't know what to call it. So um, the name came from I just remembered as a kid. Um, I remember two distinct uh, places where I had the the male rite of passage or the guy rite of passage, and it was cigar stores and barber shops. Mm-hmm. And my my dad's barber, uh, he would chew. He used to chew tobacco, and it wasn't like uh it wasn't dip tobacco. It was like the long leaf. Uh, like red man and this yeah. guy would spit he had a 40 he would have a 45 on his hip at the barber shop open carry to 45 um his last name and his last name ended in a vowel so we are italian that gives you any idea of, of the barber mm-hmm. um and he used to be able to spit in this spittoon like 30 feet away while he was cutting hair <laughs> and uh and that's where i learned that's where i learned like about women about how to swear about you know all that other kind of stuff so I remember those two distinct rite of passages, and I just remember sitting there watching my. He used to do the straight razor shave, and I remember sitting him, sitting there watching him do that shave, and just that, you know, that nostalgia of your dad teaching you how to shave, or you learning how to shave, or mm-hmm. you know, smoking the first cigar with your dad, and that kind of thing is where the whole um, name came from. It was very reminiscent of that, and all that other cool stuff. So that's where we're at with that, with the name. Nice, that's cool. I, I like the logo too. It looks cool. It's like you, you kind of see it from, from a distance and it pops, but you need to take a closer look at it to like really see the detail going on. And thank you. Since you brought it up, I, I was going to wait a little while to bring it up, but uh, you recently, last year, you did a kind of, I don't know what you would really call it, a rebranding where you kind of redid all your bands, um, kind of brought the, uh, the feel of the bands back together. And those new bands pop even more. Um, Jason, I think you don't have the band, dude, because you said yours fell off. Oh, we lost audio for Jason. Oh, I'm back. I'm muting myself. That Rookie happens. mistake. No, the, the the band's back in. All right. Um, but Tony, why don't you hold up yours so we can see that fancy new band? I almost grabbed one out of my humidor, but I figured you'd have it. See? I mean, like, it's the same look, but it's got, like, it's bolder. Um, and I think it pops. I don't think I have any. I don't think I have any old ones with on me right now. Yeah, if, if you're not familiar with the old one, it was a smaller band, um, probably about, I don't know, 30% smaller. Um, and it was just the white and the purple. It didn't have, like, the, the gold coloring and stuff, which really makes it kind of pop on the shelf. Well, when we first, you know, when we first started, uh, even if you look at the old red bands, when we first started, I had no idea how to make a cigar band. You know, there's, mm-hmm. not, like, there's not, like, a manual on how to, like, like, you don't pick up a book at the library and it tells you, oh, we'll go here and do this, and go here for cellophane and go here for stickers and boxes. And so uh, I didn't know, like, the little intricacies. And, and in the initial one, um, the i really wanted the gold it's like a gold powder yeah and i wanted matte paper but the design would not work on that because of the black lines and it was really hard to get that translated from english to spanish when i was making my bands that you know i want this real matte minimalistic look um so initially the 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 blade was very shiny because of the, the the detail in it and when we went to update, we updated the boxes as well. When we did the yeah. update, we really wanted to, uh, we really wanted to uh, give it a real minimalistic look. You know, we invest all of our money in, in tobacco and, um, you know, the ornate bands and stuff like that are, um, they're expensive. They get expensive. Oh, yeah. So, we're, so yeah. we're trying to do it. We're trying to do it the best that we can with um, the little money we have. I think yeah. it turns and out the- well and, and, and it has a minimalistic approach and it, it has a very different look than a lot of other brands. And, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any, uh, that old school heritage, you know, and that's what we kind of try to do is bring a new kind of new flavor to the industry. So. Yeah. They're kind of modern. Um, and I've got the Siempre here, which we'll, we'll talk about the blends in just a moment. Come on camera. This camera is making me crazy. There, there we go. go. Um, but you can see like in that, the, the gold, well, this is silver powder. You've got kind of that. It's not shiny. It's kind of a, I don't know. It reminds me of the uh, like model kit paint that you would get when you buy like a model car and you're painting it, and it never turns out that shiny chrome that you want. Um, but it looks great on a ba- on a band. Thank you. Here's the red. I have a red too sitting here, so I see it. Yeah, there we go. 
yeah, she it's it's just a nice like updated version of your old band, but it's nice and understated. I like it. Um, and for those of you watching live, uh, feel free to ask questions for Tony if you've got anything you want to know about Tony or La Barba cigars or maybe even wine because uh, as he mentioned, he is a sommelier. Um, let us know and we'll ask those questions for you. Jason, do you have a uh, a question to start us off? Yeah. So what's um what's kind of been uh, your latest project and, and work going on I, I feel like you you were on cigar chat a while ago but we haven't really caught up with you in in a couple of years now mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's a quite a few things that are that we're going to do this year um i was down i was working on i found a new one and only so we're gonna we're gonna read <laughs> we're gonna do that guy again but <laughs> the artwork will not be my face this time oh man yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> so those, disappointing you, <laughs> you can keep those uh the ones that you have um and I'm working on a, a Connecticut as well. That'll come out. That'll come out this year. So, nice. Uh, and that the Connecticut will be in the La Barba the line. It won't be in the Siempre line. It'll be in the La Barba. So okay. We're messing around with some cool different blends with, for that. And uh, the Siempre was kind of a jump off point with me playing with Connecticut. It's very hard tobacco to mess with. Um, so I think I told you trip before that the Siempre I made we made that for my my dad. Um, yeah. For some for something he could smoke all the time. Um, and it's, I think the, the four by 42 retails for like three ninety five. So it was mm, the whole idea wow. was we wanted to make something that you could smoke long filler, premium tobacco, um, that you could smoke all the time. Siempre means always in Spanish. So it's kind of like <laughs> we were at, uh, you said you were in the DR. We were just, we were at Camp David, my father and I, and we were, we had got done smoking. We were, we were, um, messing around with Corojo tobacco for the red. So we were down and it was a hundred degrees, hundred percent humidity at the factory, no air conditioning, and we're smoking uh, pachuches of, of Corojo Lajero all day and drinking oh, pot. Yeah. He's, he, he gets up there, and he's like, it's like 30 degrees cooler up there, you know, and uh, we were having a beer, and he's like, can't can we just have something that I, I don't even want to think about, really, cigars anymore. I just want to smoke something. It's like, you know, you have session beers. Mm-hmm. Siempre is kind of like a session yeah. cigar. You know, it's good. It's got a lot of flavor, but you don't have to, like, really – think about it that much it's something you could just smoke with your friends and talk so yeah and that, that's exactly what it is like it's um it's a thing that i talk about a lot on our on our pairing show there's there's cigars that have like a depth of flavor and a complexity that you can't that you have to pay attention to if you don't pay attention to it you're kind of doing it a disservice this has those uh like low level flavors i call them that even if you're in the middle of something and not paying attention to the cigar, you're still getting those flavors and it's still making it enjoyable. Um, and so actually, now that we've talked about the Siempre, let's talk about the other two lines. Um, tell us about, for those who haven't smoked hundreds of them already, tell us about the red and the purple. Uh, so the red, um, in, in, in the red and the purple, I wanted to, I, I really wanted to get two distinct flavor profiles. And I was talking about wine earlier. Um, when, when I describe wine or when a lot of people describe wine, you describe wine as either being masculine or feminine. And mm-hmm. not, not one is really like, oh, I'm smoking a, a feminine cigar or I'm smoking a masculine cigar or drinking a masculine wine or a feminine wine. But just the general fl- flavor profile of, of each of those wines, you could call as masculine or feminine. And by masculine, I mean like leather, pepper, cocoa, uh, barnyard, uh, mineral, uh, those kind of like lumberjack flavors. And then, mm-hmm. and then by a feminine cigar, I mean, you know, floral, aromatic, vanilla, you know, kind of like um, very chocolate. Very, yeah, chocolate, very potpourri-ish kind of flavor. So I wanted to take those two distinct profiles and, um, and explore with tobaccos on them. So with the red, mm-hmm. it's going to be the more of the, of the masculine flavor profile. So you're going to get leather, tobacco, obviously, um, white pepper, black pepper, cocoa, um, dark chocolate and flavor profile wise on the purple, you're going to get more of those floral, very aromatic, uh, very sweet, very complex, very medium bodied, um, in flavor. Uh, the purple is a Habano wrapper from Ecuador. Um, it has uh, tobacco in it called Carbonel. The Carbonel tobacco is what gives it that, uh, sweet, um, very aromatic, um, mm-hmm. flavor profile. La Barba red is, uh, Dominican Puro, that's another thing that I w- wanted to do um, because you don't see a lot of it. It's um, hard to nail a Dominican Puro. Right. And you, you uh, for some reason, it's hard to grow. It's really hard to grow wrapper tobacco in Dominican Republic. Um, and it's very hard to grow Corojo tobacco in Dominican Republic. 
And there's only two people that grow the unhybridized um, Corojo tobacco, and we use one of them for ours. Um, so I have original Cuban seed Corojo tobacco, um, wrapper, binder, and about half Corojo Lajero in the filler. Um, so that's a very, we used, I used a lot of one tobacco and instead of giving it that one dimensional flavor, I tried to give it a lot of different dimensions. And by doing that, we played around with the different fillers, um, and just different wrappers to, to kind of nail that, you know, three, three distinct points of flavor. You know, you want, um, your, your spice, you want your sweet and you want your body the way I look at it. Um, yeah. so I think that red nails it on that. Um, you, like I said, you get a lot of that white pepper, black pepper spice, um, it's very aggressive on the retrohale, but when, when the smoke is gone, you get that real nice sweet taste that kind of wants you to, want you to come back for more. Um, so that's, that's red and purple. And then obviously Sampere we talked about, that's the Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. Uh, there's a little bit of Corojo Lajero in that. And we did that just to give it that, that body, you know, those, uh, like those flavor profiles you were talking about, uh, those low, those little nuances where you get a little bit of pepper, it keeps you interested and mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it keeps you interested, but doesn't take your full focus. And I think that yeah, that's what that's a great way to put it. All right, Dennis, or sorry, uh, Jason. <laughs> I'm see, man, my head's not in it. Uh, that's okay. I feel a little out of it too today for whatever reason. It, um, that's what happens when you take a week off, man. Yeah, it's like out of the groove. Too long. Um, so you you mentioned earlier that um working on blending um a Connecticut and like. I think we just, from having these talks, kind of know why Connecticut's kind of a pain in the butt to blend with, but maybe share that with people and, and explain that process a little bit. Well, the hardest thing, the hardest thing about, the number one hardest thing about Connecticut is it's very, very fragile. It's very, very thin wrapper. So it, it breaks very easily. Um, that's, that's the number one obstacle, you know, is where to find it. The other thing about Connecticut that's difficult is the color. So it's very hard to achieve consistent color with Connecticut wrapper. Um, it's a little bit different, you know, when you're dealing with a little like tobaccos that are more brown because the, the, the color consistency can change a little bit. But when you have a, when you have a Connecticut wrap cigar that has any difference in color whatsoever, you notice it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. the other difficult thing about blending with Connecticut is it, it gets bitter sometimes and you have to try to, you have to deal with the bitterness, um, even in the slightest amount. And you deal with the bitterness by adding different sweet tobaccos or different spicy tobaccos and you have to add enough so that it doesn't overpower the actual flavor of Connecticut. But at the same time, you have to add enough to get rid of that kind of uh, bitter. The, it's almost on the back of your tongue bitterness, like a yeah. black tea or, you know, that, that kind of tannic taste that it gets. So it's a very, it's a very thick. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like wine. Pinot Noir is a very hard grape to deal with, to make. But when, when you get it right, it's really, really good. And that's, I feel the same way about Connecticut um, as I do about that. You know, it's easier. You can... With with Cabernets or bigger full-bodied um, wines as well as cigars, you you can um, mask some of the not so attractive flavors when you have a real full-bodied cigar. But when you have a really light, very mild cigar, any little thing that's wrong with it, you'll be able to take out of it. So it's just a very difficult tobacco to, to play with. Yeah, and yeah, I think the- um, you. I, I I was just kind of recently thinking that you don't see very many like small ring gauge. Connecticut's and 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 then that's probably why is it that you need room to put in that other tobacco yeah you, you do it's a it's a very difficult I haven't I don't even know if I can think of a of a Connecticut Lancero that I've seen in a long time there definitely aren't many I can't think uh, of one off the top of my head but I also you know I have a soft spot in my heart for Connecticut because um, my father uh, smoked a lot of Ashton um, and I also have a soft spot in my heart for Cameron tobacco, which is very expensive and very hard to get. Yeah. But I can, my dad used to smoke eight, five, eights. Like, I mean, he would smoke a ball when they were, they were 25 cents a piece when my dad was smoking and that was a retail. Wow. Wow. So he, I mean, he smoked, uh, he, he worked late, so he would get home and I'd be able to smell when he got home because I'd be in my bedroom getting ready for bed. And then he would walk in the house with the eight, five, eight. So I can smell Cameron. Cause I was like, what, four years old. I could smell Cameron tobacco in any If someone smoked in a Cameron, I could smell it in any room. Because it immediately, like, you know how that smell memory thing happens? It immediately brings oh, yeah. me back to that. So those are the two that are really special. We have a Cameron is so expensive. I made a cigar for my dad uh, for his 60th birthday, and I used real Cameroon. And retail-wide, it would be a $30 retail cigar. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> So. And that's a that's a tough market yeah. to get into. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break before we get back with more questions for Tony Bellotto. Uh Again, if you guys are watching live, uh, use this next 30 seconds to figure out your, your questions for Tony. We'll be right back. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaragua and available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. All right, we're back. I had it. All right, we're back. Um, and sorry, Tony. Tony was about to get into a story there, but we only had thirty <laughs> seconds. Um, so I don't know if it's something you want to talk about on the air or not. You can if you want, but I don't want to pressure you into it. No, I was just talking about Matt's uh, Matt's gin, and I I had it. It's very very good, and I have a unopened bottle. It's supposed to go to Robert, but I don't know if he's ever gonna. I don't know if he's ever gonna get it. I mean, he's, he's got to come to Ohio for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so I, we're we're here cigar chat with Tony Bellotto. Uh, I'm Trip. This is my co-host uh, Jason. Um, we've got a, an audience question here. Kevin Gorey wants us to ask you about the vest and chaps picture. The the what? Vest oh, and chaps. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I love when questions like this come up. I love that I know Were immediately you? what he's talking about as soon as he says it. Um, it was Halloween. And I had a Halloween party at the at my store, and I was running late, and I didn't have a Halloween costume. So I stopped at, like, a thrift store, and the only thing that they had that I thought was, I don't know, appropriate to wear were leather pants and a leather vest. So I, I <laughs> and, a can, and a cowboy hat. So that was my Halloween costume. I think I've seen pictures of that, actually. <laughs> yeah, those need to. Sounds familiar. That's the lovely thing about Facebook. You get to look yeah. at what you did 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the story behind that. I didn't have any any other Halloween costume. That was um, that. So I wanted to ask, what's it like? Uh, I mean, it's kind of common now in the industry, but but what's it like for you being on both sides of the business, retail and brand? What do you mean? Sorry. Uh, uh, what's it? What's your like? What's your balance between the two? Like, like you're you're mostly store running the store, and then a little bit yeah, of involved I, in cigars or is it more of like a 50 50 split of your time? What's more like right now it's a 90 10 on, on La Barba. Um, so I kind oh, of, wow. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not on the schedule anymore at the stores. I have managers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I traveled probably 250 days last year. So most of, I would say 90% of my time is on, is on La Barba right now. Um, you know, the stores were my dad's. So those, you know, he still works. And those are kind of his thing. Okay. So he still works there every day. And uh, I really don't have an uh, involvement in that. You know, when I'm here, I'm there because I'm home now. So when I'm at home, you know, I'm mm-hmm. at the store. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm on the other side of the counter now, which is kind of nice. My <laughs> yeah, I bet. It's lessened a lot, which is nice to actually go to a cigar store and smoke cigars instead of having to work, you know. Okay. Jerry Stash has a really good question. I feel like this is a question we should ask every week to every single brand owner that's on here um in your personal opinion what's the best humidity for your cigars where do they smoke best 60 percent. 60 that's 60, low 62 percent. okay that's my personal opinion you know i i know um i don't know i just think 68 you know you want cigars go out all the time at 68 i like i really like i really like low humidity because i like my cigars to smoke but you know again that that depends on where you're at um in the country you know if you're at a higher elevation it's different um, cause there's less oxygen, the cigar smokes differently, but I just, me personally, I like my cigars a little, a little drier. Yeah. I, I hear that from a lot of brand owners. Uh, I can think of at least two that I've heard within the last couple months that said 60, 62, like, and that, that's where I kept my humidor for a long time. I'm moving up to like 64 now, just so I don't have as many cigars popping. Yeah. But, uh, and you have to, you yeah. know, you have, when you buy them at the stores, you know, you have to bring them down. I mean, oh yeah. Generally, generally speaking, because cigars are happy at like 65, 66 is where they're really happy. Um, so if you don't if you don't bring them down slowly, they're going to start to pop and crack. It's the same as if you, you know, you have a dry humidor and you try to bring it back because, you know, in Ohio in the winter, like right now in my oh, house, yeah. it's like 42 percent humidity. So, I mean, it's it's super dry. Well, not right now because it's raining, but in, in, when it's snowing out, it gets real dry. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but in the summer it's like 97 percent humidity so you know it, that can really take a toll on cigars so if you're i, I really think that personally 65 percent is 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 where everybody should be i'm a little low i know some guys are a little high but i think 65 is perfect personally yeah i i think so too um it, it kills me when i pick up like some cigars at a shop and it's it's 73 and they're you know you can just feel that they're wet uh We've got some other some other good questions. Bob Langmaid wants to know. This is um, he says maybe I missed it, and you kind of did, but we didn't totally go into it. He wants to know why you changed the La Barba bands. Oh, there was a number of reasons. Um, one was I thought that the bands were with the new boxes; they were very ornate. Um, so from a de- design perspective, I wanted to keep keep it minimalistic. Um, from another another perspective, another design perspective, I liked. I really wanted the the matte paper with the powdered um, foil. Yeah. Um, that was something that I really thought was attractive on cigars. Um, another reason, believe it or not, and it's funny that it's it's a relevant thing, but when you take a picture of a cigar with a shiny band. Oh, yeah, show, absolutely. It, it, it's hard to take a picture on, on social media with it. So, <laughs> it's a royal pain. <laughs> yeah. So I was... I was like, well, there's all these there's all these blurry pictures of La Barbara Purples out there, and everybody's like, what cigar is that? It's, blunt, it's really so it's 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 easier to take a picture with these. Plus, the bands are bigger, um, and I just think it makes it look a little bit you know more iconic, um, a mm-hmm. little bit more deco, a little bit more iconic than than the small blade with the with the, with the decorations. Plus, uh, the stars on the old on the old band were um, were from Honduras, where the original one was made, and now we're in the Dominican Republic, so. I got rid of the stars when we switched over to the Republic. Yeah, that makes not sense. Not when we switched, not when we switched over, but I, when I ran out of bands. So. Yeah. Uh, and Anthony Rosicki says every cigar he's ever smoked at Havana House has been in perfect condition. So you got that going for you. Thank my dad. <laughs> All right, Jason, I'll let you ask the next question. Okay. So um, coming into uh, 2018 here, what's what what do you have like a a primary goal that you, that you're working on for the brand? Um, it's just, you know, it's the, the primary goal is to get it to as many people as we can, um, and maintain, maintain the quality standards that we, we've, we're known for with, with the purple and the red, you know, I don't want to do too many things and, and have too many irons in the fire, um, with different brands. And I just want to make sure that no matter what we do, we, we're maintaining the quality of product that, that I that for the standard that I set on red and purple. Um, so this year, you know, I just want to keep working on working on those cigars and making sure that that they're the best. Um, there's a couple of projects like like I said, the Connecticut and the one and only that that are kind of in the in the infant stages. Um, the two and only. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean it's it's getting it's getting people understanding the brand. It's getting um, it's getting the name out there. It's getting the brand recognition. It's getting it's getting La Barba to be a kind of a household name. Or it's in it's in most people's uh, five cigar rotation. It's kind of my goal. Yeah, that's that's everybody's ultimate goal is to be in the five cigar rotation. Correct. Um, so once you do that, you're set. And I, I was I've always think it helps as like a consumer and probably as a shop too to to be a brand that's okay. Here's here's three or four cigars versus someone who's like here's a dozen different cigars because then it's kind of hard to get your head around it. Right. That's a it's a lot and and even. You know, I catch myself a lot when I, you know, I did a lot of the multi-vendor events this year, and mm-hmm. it, you have about thirty seconds of someone's attention. You know, because there's a lot yeah. going on. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that all at once. You know, it's a cigar lover's dream. You know, you're you're seeing every manufacturer in, in an hour, so you have about yeah. 15, 30 seconds with each person. <laughs> so it's you know, I'll even catch myself getting getting so far into the red and the purple with people that they're like they're just staring at me with their mouth open and um, which is good, you know, that you, you get captured their attention. But if I have to do that with, with 12 or 13 cigars, you know, we're never going to get, we'll never get the, the exposure that, that people want, um, that people want for the cigars. When you're out of shops talking to people, do you find that what, what you would consider the more average consumer is interested in tobacco and the process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's what I love about, about being on the road is being able to, being able to show the, the consumer what all goes into a, a cigar, you know, and that's, um, it's very important to me and it's very important that people get down and see the process and, and see what happens. And, and it's my, my favorite events are small events. 
um, like sit down events, sit down dinners where people can ask questions. Um, because I love to see that um, kind of wonderment and wanderlust about what, what happens and how a cigar gets made. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been noticing it more and more that people are, I mean, people have a lot of information and they're very, um, they want to know as much as they can about what they're doing. And that's what I like about what's going on in the industry as far as cigars and spirits and, and beer and wine or people, people mm-hmm. are asking questions and people want to know what's going on. And, and I think that that's really cool. Um, I love yeah, I, th- I think that kind of thing, uh, it, it's like a culture change in the whole country where like, if you're making a grilled cheese sandwich, people don't just want to eat your grilled cheese sandwich and leave. They want to know how you're making it, what makes it special. Um, like people are more interested in processes than I think they used to be. Um, like beer comes to mind. Um, all the advertising used to be, this is the coldest beer and we made it because we know how. Um, and now a lot of the advertising for beer, for example, is, uh, like, this is what we do. And, you know, in their commercials, they'll show them boiling and stuff like that because people these days care more about the process than they do about, uh, the end product. And I think, I think that's very, I think that's very good for the industry as a whole, you know, especially for, you know, all the things that are going on in it is for people to understand that, you know, it takes 250 people to make one cigar. And you, yeah. I mean, you said you were down there, you know, and that, around the same time I was. That's a low estimate. Two, 250 is kind of a yeah, like that's, low, moderate estimate. It, it's intense, right? I mean, it's, and, and you know, to, to have a cigar that's $8, I mean, that's, it's pretty incredible for yeah. however many people it took to make it. And then at the end of the day, to have a, a premium hand-rolled quality cigar for $8, $10. I mean, it's not, you know, or that's, and that's, I think the important thing and, and the something that we need to, as an industry and as consumers, um, we need to focus on with the government and with different things like that is this is a completely different industry than you think it is. And, you know, it's very important to me because of the, the camaraderie ship and the things that, yeah. um, that is, that is very important. The, the people that it supports is very important. And the fact that it is really, truly a craft artisan product um, needs to be, needs to be addressed. And I think that if we keep talking and, and yelling at them and letting them know that this isn't what you think it is, then, then they'll get the, they'll get the picture. So, yeah, I think so too. Um, that was a good answer. Uh, we, uh, we're going to take another quick break here for one of our sponsors. Um, and then we've got a bunch of questions for Tony lined up. So we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issue. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today. All right, we're back with Tony Bellato from La Barba Cigars. Um, we've, so first, we've got a couple of, uh, I'll call them joke questions. They're not really joke questions, but uh, they're going to make you laugh. Uh, two different Kevins have one. Ke- Kevin Loonhagen uh, wants to know if your sunglasses ever get caught in your chest hair. All the time, especially now <laughs> that I have these. Because I got these like for soles with a little, oh yeah, uh, that fold up. And I put them here. And they and the the thing bends and then it Ooh. pinches it pinches the taco meat and then it pulls out. But I'm used to it now. You know when you first put a watch on or something, you notice it pulls out your, oh, yeah. your like, wrist hairs and then you just get used to it. Yeah, you just build up a bald spot. Yeah, so I feel like Kevin needs to be more of a man. <laughs> um, and Kevin Lima wants to know if all of your shirts are custom made without the top three buttons. Um, I feel like there's three or four guys in the cigar industry that we get asked that same question to. I was at an event and with Robert and someone brought that question up and well, my first answer to that response is I'm Italian and I started it. So we can put all the other jokes aside. We, as we, as an Italian American culture, we started this. So yes, that's true. But we also decided that we were going to start, we want to start a, um, try to start a charity. It was like where we donate our top three button to people that need buttons. Cause I feel like there's many people in the world that would, really truly appreciate these three buttons and we just take them for granted yeah you guys take them for granted you're not even using them um anthony rasiki has a couple of questions uh i'll start off with his first one which is uh are there long plans long-term plans for lost and found uh or do you kind of like is it a play it by year kind of thing where you end up you know if you if you come across some 
cigars that would be good for the project, you just go for it. Yeah, the Lost and Found is is a you know that that project is the coolest thing about it is there could be a hundred tomorrow or there could be zero. You know, we smoke different yeah. stuff every day, and and that that project um, is is something that we you know we we wing it. It's but it's fun for us. It's supposed to be fun for everyone. You know, we think the cigars are great. Uh, some people love them, some people don't. That's what's that's the fun part is the discussion about them. So if we never find another one again, then another one will never come out. Um, but every day we get new stuff. So, um, and so I actually had a question about this, that this reminded me of that. I forgot that I was going to ask you. Um, so I think it was last year you guys came out with another release of several of the lines. Um, is that just more that you found or is that like a regular production thing where you're having more of that same blend made? We never thought that, uh, it would be as popular as it was. So when we initially did it, we didn't buy them all. Oh, okay. When um, Rob called me, he's like, you know, we still have Bambi's in Dominican Republic. And I was like, well, let's just buy them. And he said, we, well, you know, we still have some pepper creams down there. Um, and as, as the, that was like the initial, the initial releases. And as, and as time went on, we, we learned how to, to buy them a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. And we got a better deal by buying the rest. But when it first started, you know, it was never kind of like La Barba. And it was never supposed to be like a thing. It was just cigars that that Rob would always come back with and send to me and be like, dude, this cigar is awesome. And then I would smoke it and I'd be like, well, how many is there? Can we just buy them for us? And he's like, well, there's like 150 cigars. So then we would just buy them and um, we would have them for ourselves. I remember there was one, there was a Lancero that he had. There was like a hundred of them. And that was the very, very first one. And I was like, well, you know, other people need to smoke this stuff. Cause it's out. It's outrageously good. Just, they're just good cigars. Yeah. Um, but we don't make any of them. We don't make any of them. Okay. Um, and then his second question is, do you foresee any Nicaraguan production for La Barba someday? Someday, maybe. It depends if Henderson opens a Nicaraguan factory. Not necessarily. <laughs> Not necessarily. Okay. If I, you know, if it, um, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it a lot, put it that way. So, you know, we can always get Nicaraguan tobacco in Dominican Republic. There's a lot of, a lot of good manufacturers out there that mm-hmm. I would love to work with. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But this year i don't know all right jason you're up next all right so uh kind of just a random question but when you're out traveling for cigar events and stuff do you have a uh, like a kind of place you like to try to find to go out to eat in towns yeah um, i like those kind of questions so number one i like to go to what the city is famous for that's like my first thing so i would always get like fried chicken in tennessee or mm-hmm. you know you name it um specifically i just like to go where the people that live there eat you know i don't want to i never i never try to eat at places that i could eat at home and i like uh i like to go to diners a lot too that's where this is from the satellite diner and lounge in spokane washington oh nice my lady friend found it and we went there and i love i love greasy spoons so man there's something to be said about like just a greasy diner no one else can touch them all right, Jason, you have another question while I uh, look through comments here and see if we've got another Okay, one. so we know you're um, involved in the uh, wine, you know, a bit. And then um, you, you, you have a, a brand of wine, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I meant to ask about that, too. Why don't you tell us about that, Tony? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I, I zoned out there. Sorry. Um, I was thinking about the wine. Uh, yeah, so we um, – my partners, I, I started working with these guys. They're uh, – They've become my best friends in the industry. Um, they have a wine company called Treasure Hunter Wines. And um, I approached Hunter and said, I want to see, I want to try to make a, uh, a sparkling wine that has some flavor and that isn't $100 a bottle. So we started to explore uh, a lot of different places and we ended up in Barcelona, Spain. Um, the wine's called Viva la Vida, uh, means live your life in Spanish. And it's 100% Pinot Noir made in traditional method, so it's riddled. Um, the carbonation is done in the bottle, um, and this, it's not the way that they make it is they set the they set the juice on the skins for eight hours, and it gives it that that pink color. Uh, but we also did it because I wanted to I wanted to create a wine that that uh, went with cigars that was bubbly, and I also, you know, it has a sparkling wine has a very uh, female oriented. Uh, Mm-hmm. crowd and i wanted to kind of show everybody that it doesn't have to be you know you can drink rosé and and not be girly 
Um, so the, the, the wine is specifically designed to go with cigars. And, and the cool thing about it is it's got a lot of these like very bright fruit flavors, like strawberry, cherry, vanilla. Um, and there's a lot of acidity and there's a, a tiny amount of residual sugar. So when you taste it while you're smoking, it cleans your palate every time. So if you take, mm-hmm. uh, you smoke and then retro, you have those like lingering flavors. You take a little sip of the, of the cava. So cava is, uh, is the Spanish kind of word for champagne because they can't call it champagne if it's not from champagne. So the Spaniards started calling their, their high-end sparkling stuff cava, which is Spanish for cave. Um, oh, okay. So, and that's where they do all, that's where they store the wine and that's where they, they riddle it. And uh, that's where they do the, the, the secondary fermentation to get the bubbles and so on and so forth. But um, it, washes, it washes your palate clean. And it's a really cool experience. Even if you just grab a Prosecco or a regular cava while you're smoking, it, it totally wipes your palate clean and you can really taste the cigar in every part of it. Uh, especially if you like to think about a cigar in terms of thirds. Mm-hmm. When you get to that second third and you wipe your palate clean, it gives you a whole different experience with the cigar than it would because your mouth isn't covered in tobacco flavor anymore. A lot of people probably haven't had like, I don't know, cava or champagne or a Prosecco or something like that with a cigar. But if you've ever had a like club soda or sparkling water with a cigar, it's yeah. sort of the same effect. Correct. And that's, that's when I am not drinking wine while I'm smoking, I'm drinking uh, Perrier or, or club soda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, it has a very cleansing effect and you can really get the tobacco for what it is. Um, and I think that that's, so that's kind of the, the, uh, inspiration for the wine. Um, so we've been doing, we've been doing really well with it. it retails for about $10, 10 to $15. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do is line up with Hunter. Um, trying to do some pairing events this year at, at stores. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, getting that, getting that wine to kind of travel with me with our sale. But it's, you know, it's very hard logistically to, uh, to coordinate with my salespeople, with my Viva La Vida salespeople and get them at the same place at the same time. So, uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. Hopefully I can start to do that this year. I need to, uh, after the show, we'll talk about it. Cause I need to find out where I can buy a bottle of that. And I know, um, you may have come to Oregon already, but I, I don't know. We'll figure that out later. Um, I got you. I got another question from Jerry Stash. Uh, he, he learned a tiny bit about Somalias through documentary. I'm guessing he means some and maybe some into the bottle because um, those were super, super interesting to me. Um, and he wants to know what level Somalia you are. Well, I went to uh, a different uh, school than the court of master Somalias. So our, our focus uh, is on the master of wine program. So a little bit different than the, the Court of Master Sommeliers. Our program is a little bit more uh, viticulture and viniculture oriented. So the making of wine and the growing of wine, where a sommelier is, is very service oriented. So it's two kind of different trains of thought on, on, uh, on wine and spirits. Ours is more, okay. ours is more I did a lot of, of history, why things are the way they are. Uh, why the laws are the way they are, why you grow grapes where you grow them, uh, why certain places only grow certain grapes, um, why you do certain methods with certain different types of wine. So my, I'm officially a level three, WSET level three certified sommelier. So, and the cool thing about, um, the cool thing and the detrimental part about the WSET is that you can only take a class taught by someone that is above you. So mm-hmm. the next the next class that I would take has to be taught by a master of wine, which there's only like 20. So and that's like so right now, I, I would say that I have my master's degree in wine. The next step would be getting a Ph.D. and they call that the diploma program. And that would be I have to write an original thesis, um, wow. those kind of things like getting a Ph.D. And the teacher that I had, uh, she is currently working on getting her master of wine. So oh, okay. if, if she gets it, then she can teach me the, the fourth part of the program. And then I can then mm-hmm. subsequently move on to the master wine program. But it's like, I think it's like 20 people a year get in and it takes four years and then like two people graduate. It's like the most yeah. ridiculous thing ever. Um, but yeah, so it's two different, it's two different kind of uh, schools. Where, whereas the, the, the sommelier uh, thing, you, you kind of just study on your own, then go take a test. 
yeah. whereas WSET, I went to school. So I was there. I was in a classroom every day wow. learning about wine. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more intense than, than the small A thing, but you know, it's six and six and one half dozen. So, so you're, you're becoming a master of wine, not a master sommelier then, right? Correct. That's where I intend to get to one day if I can ever, you know, that's, and that's like, you know, there's only so far you can get with, with knowledge. You know, my last, last test was like, it was super intense. You know, we had, we had a wine that we had to blind, we had to go through blind and then we had a, uh, a master of wine that tasted the same wine. And then we, they judged our scores off of their scores and you have to go through and you have to name each part uh through flavor aroma profile finish uh color all these things and there's all these different options and you have to write a paragraph about it and then they compare that that paragraph to another master of wine that did the same wines mm-hmm. paragraph and then you get graded on that but i'm gonna toot my own horn i was, horn, I was in the top two percent of all the people that have ever taken my test so wow that's yeah that's pretty awesome um, I, I don't know if I could do something like that. Like I get nervous when somebody hands me a cigar and is like, what do you think? What do you taste? Um, and like that, that rattles my cage a little, um, we got a couple more audience questions. Um, I'm going to, we're going to do our last break here before we move on. Uh, this segment is brought to you by, uh, Jason, who are they brought to us by? This last segment is brought to us by Drew Estate Cigars. Are they good. Try them. <laughs> yeah, they good. They painted this hat. They, uh. You know, they make a lot of great cigars, uh, a lot. Like they're one of those companies where you could be very, uh, you could be very, um, intimidated by the, just the sheer number of different blends that they have. Um, but if you haven't smoked their cigars, I would say start with like Underground Shade, Herrera Esteli, those kind of things. Um, again, they good. They really have something for every palate. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, so Tony, we got another question from Anthony Rasiki here. Uh, you have wine, you have tequila, you have tequila. I didn't know you had tequila. Yeah. I bought a barrel of tequila. <laughs> oh, okay. So oh, it's yeah. just like a thing that's available at the bar in the shop. Yeah. So we, uh, okay. for some, for some strange reason, um, I really jumped on this tequila and cigar thing and tequila goes really well with cigars, believe it or not, especially Anejo tequila, like, uh, Don Julio 1942 or, you know, any just Anejo tequila. Yeah. And we started talking with this. Uh, craft company and they age all of their tequila in in different bourbon barrels which is a very rare thing it's a very small company and uh we started serving at the store and i started doing these things with cigars like cigar and tequila pairings and then overnight we became the second best tequila account in the state of ohio for them so they came and they came and asked me if i wanted to do a single barrel so they brought 30 different tequilas in each one was a different each one was a different barrel a different bourbon barrel so like they had Pappy, they had Woodford, they had Eagle Rare, they had Bullet, they had Jefferson, whatever. And the, the, the guy that makes it, the master distiller that makes it tequila, did not tell any of us what was what barrel because he didn't want us to be biased. Because mm-hmm. the tequila marries with different bourbon barrels differently. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's like Old Granddad or Pappy Van Winkle. It's all about how the tequila marries with the barrel. So we, out of the 30 tequilas we tasted, we got down to two. And the distiller started kind of chuckling and we're like, what are you laughing at? He's like, just keep going. You'll see, you'll see. So we got down to the final one and we decided, we're like, we want this, this is the one we want. So it ended up being uh, 13 months aged in one Jack Daniels barrel. And the other one that we got down to was 12 months aged in Jack Daniels barrels. And, and (laughs) those were the only two that were similar. So it was like, I mean, it was every bourbon you could think of 30 different bourbons. And there was two Jack Daniels barrels. We got down to those two Jack Daniels barrels, and then picked the one that was 13 months. It was a very cool experience. So we bought the we bought the barrel, and we had our party last week for it. Um, I drank way too much tequila, and that's it. That's so what happens. Um, <laughs> but the so the end of that question, because I wanted to know about the tequila. Once I got to that point, um, he wants to know if you're ever doing a craft beer. It's funny you say that. So I I've, uh, I've been in talks with a very good friend of mine to do a canned rosé cider. Uh, that we're, I'm going to start working on here oh. shortly. Um, so kind of use the same uh, method that we did for Viva La Vida, but to put it in, in cans and, and um, turn it into a, or blend it with cider. So we're starting, we're starting that process. Hopefully we're, we're working on it. Um, but I want to start there and, and see what happens. You know, there's a couple of good breweries around here that I would like to work with, um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I want to do, 
I'm way more focused on wine right now. I want to do um, I want to do a red wine. Oh uh, yeah. I, I would like to. I'm going to start. There's a there's a company that Hunter knows that uh, in Oregon that makes some really good Pinot Noir that I'm going to go up and see. Um, and I will let you know, both of you, if you want to join me shortly. Awesome. Um, cool. I'll be there. Yeah. So I want to Pinot Noir is my favorite. So I'm going to start with start with that and see what happens and, and kind of go from there. But I love all all of all of the things that are uh, on the vice aspect uh, yeah <laughs> alcohol coffee uh and then i've got another real good question from steve callow he wants to know how badass the rap horn is it, you, you want to hear i heard it i heard it i still have it here we go <laughs> that's so, uh that's tony's signature for those who haven't spent much time with him yeah i got it right there i'm gonna see how many times i've done it now i had to <laughs> i had to read counter I had to re-download it, but so far on the re-download, I'm at I'm at 934 times ham horn. Oh wow! There we go. <laughs> um, with, with a funny story because I've I've always had this like irrational desire to be a DJ, and uh, <laughs> so for Christmas this year, my girlfriend got me like this awesome Pioneer uh, turntable set, and it has like the different sample keys and you plug in the computer and. And they're I just go down. all rap horns, every key. Oh, yeah. 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 So as soon as I got it, like Christmas Day, I'm in the basement. I'm just pressing the rap horn. Like, it'd be like a Miles Davis song. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, I'll let you take the, the uh, I guess, the final question, at least for our AFRN segment. Okay. So as we're ending the AFRN here, where, where can people find you on social media, the internet, to keep in touch? Um, so on Instagram... You can find me at Bellotto, two L's, two T's, at, um, and at La Barba Cigars. I control that as well. Uh, and then on Facebook, it's Tony Bellotto, uh, B-E-L-L-A-T-T-O. Um, so, yeah, hit me up on there. Uh, if you guys have any questions, don't ever hesitate. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do with this show um, and answer questions that you guys have. So uh, please never hesitate. I'm always around somewhere. <laughs> always somewhere. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Tony. We really appreciate it. Um, and, of course, thank you to all of our listeners, all of our viewers, um, particularly our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners. We appreciate you guys out there doing things we're just not built to do, um, protecting our freedoms. And we hope everybody has a great and safe weekend. Um, I forgot to mention, I meant to mention it after you talked about the Kava, um, but we will have Tony on next week for sharing our pairings. Uh, in lieu of a new Cigar Chat episode. Um, but we're going to be pairing some wines with some LaFarba Purples, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think that should be fun. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun night. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>